Mindfulness Mode 468. Mindfulness is not all about your 20-minute quiet time, right? That's cool and that's fun, but mindfulness is about taking that every 24 hours. Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome to the show. Bruce Langford here. I have a free resource for you called 10 Simple and Effective Ways to Increase Mindfulness in the Workplace Now. Download it at mindfulnessmode.com slash workplace P. And today... Well, the episode's called Motivating the Unmotivated, and I have Life Pulse founder with me, Matt Granados, and man, is he talented at what he does with his business. He's talented with relationships. He has an awesome podcast with his wife, which is all about relationships. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's interview. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I'm here with Matt Granados, and I'm so excited. He's got an awesome podcast where he just gets real with his wife, talking about relationships, and that's why it's called Real Asianship. (laughs) So it's a cool name. (laughs) Hey, Matt, how are you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing great. We got a nice storm coming over us right now, but inside, working hard. And this is a topic I love to talk about, so I'm super pumped to be here, excited to touch base with your listeners and see how we can share some of our experiences. Yeah, and it's great to connect. And so would you say, Matt, that you are in mindfulness mode right now? Oh, yeah. I think it's funny because mindfulness to me means something different to somebody else. I think. That's oh, I want to hear that. What does it mean to you? So mindfulness to me leads to just being in, a, in kind of a state of intentionality because there's the mindfulness I think a lot of people hear about and have has been kind of turned into this this self-growth kind of genre of almost meditation and at being at peace in that mindfulness, like you have control of your brain. But I feel like one of the biggest issues just with the clients I work with, the people I speak in front of, and even just my own friends and family is we're so distracted that we don't have the ability to focus on one thing. And if you go and you think about the whole concept of mindfulness from the meditations people have you do to whatever practice it might be that works best for you, it's all about narrowing your focus. And it's so difficult to do now that it's almost becoming, again, it's, you have to do it consciously and be intentional about those steps. So would I say I'm in mindfulness? Absolutely. Because if I wasn't, I'd be on my phone, looking at emails, trying to figure this out. And when I do interviews, when I speak, when I coach, when I teach, I have to be all in. Um, that's why you'll see, if you're, you can't see the video, but I'll be moving my hands. I'll be, I'll be standing up in the middle of this interview because I'm here with you. And that's just how, how we work. Oh, that's great. And I can tell you're here with me. I want to share a little bit about you with Mindful Tribe. Matt Granados has the mindful intention to make sure no person's potential is wasted and that every person he comes in contact with, if they want it, is able to experience their maximum level of success. So that's a pretty cool undertaking. Matt's been motivating people for years through his business, Life Pulse Inc., you can find it at lifepulseinc.com. He built, now get this, he built his first $1 million business by the age of 25. And then he took it to a valuation of $40 million by age 30. See, Matt understands motivation to the core. He's known to be able to motivate even the most unmotivated individuals by helping them build an unbreakable foundation that they can build their life on. So like, this is pretty incredible stuff. You built a million dollar business by the age of 25. Not a lot of people can do that, Matt. How did you pull it off? Well, 
the first thing is finding good partners, right? I was a young kid coming out of college and I jumped into this super unique business to company where we, we actually adopt out these very specific little animals called sugar bears. Oh yeah. It's absolutely, if you've ever heard of them, it's very unique. And what we found was there was no one in the industry doing it properly, meaning ethically, Uh meaning giving the education behind it. So I came in, there was already two partners in, I jumped in with them and we basically blew this business up to take this small individual animal and do over $40 million in sales. So how did we do that part was very easy in the sense that when you tie yourself to people who were very successful, and my two partners, they were kind of mentors that have become friends and now have become peers. It's easy to enjoy the ups and downs of business when you have people by your side who are willing to work through it with you. So I would say that's how it is. And then the other thing was recognizing how to work with people. I mean, that's the true skill set of scaling any business at least today's world where the individuals out there, they need to be valued by what they do. And, and we built this business off of individuals hiring them from Craigslist. And we tell people all the time, it's, it was not the fact that they weren't able to adopt out these animals for us, is that they had trouble dealing with the rest of their life, showing up for work. And the clients we work with at Life Pulse now, we tell people our whole goal is to bring the person you hired back to work. Because when you hire somebody in the interview process, they're the best version of them. Everything about them is great. Bells and whistles, everything's shiny. And then about 30 days in, they start complaining about having to work till 5 o'clock on Friday, which is a normal work day. And you wonder right. what happened to that person who was willing to work every day of the week to get the job. So that's the whole concept. And when we found a way to stop people from being interfered to do their job by things in life, from financial issues to... Even for some people, it was, it was criminal issues, right? It was people who mm-hmm. grew up in an area where they had a background, they had a past that was affecting them showing up to do the job. And we focused on the individual. And that's what spun off this concept of Life Pulse was, if you want to fix the problem of the business, fix the root cause, which is the people. And, and that's shown from our business to other businesses. And even more interestingly, recently, we were out working with the United States Air Force and seeing how well the military works as a unit. Like if the individuals in that unit are sometimes just barely keeping their head above water. And it's all about just bringing intentionality into these 24 hours that we're given every single day. We call, we call the, 20, the day the great equalizer because it's 24 hours. It's the only thing on planet that is actually fair. And if you're not in a state of mindfulness or you're not intentional, it's going to go by. It doesn't wait for you. It keeps going. No. We all have that same 24 hours, don't we? Exactly. So, so what are you doing with yours? That's what we ask people. And, and when they use our system, our LP system, and go through this Life Pulse program, we're finding that people are getting an extra 15 hours of productivity by taking that same concept that you talk about in mindfulness and letting it seep into, and I mean that in the sense of almost just fall into all other parts of their life. Well, so tell us more about the LP system. If somebody jumps into that, what's yeah. the first thing you do? What, what are the steps? Yeah, so it's basically, it's a nine-part system that you ask yourself these nine questions. And it came from a time in my life that I was completely lost. Employees embezzled a bunch of money from me. You know, so financially, I was a train wreck. Emotionally, I was about to get engaged. My fiance gave me the ring back and walked out. Doctors told me I was unhealthy. So physically, I was a mess. And then obviously, from a self-growth perspective, I was too busy working to grow. Right. It's kind of the, I forgot the sharp and the saw to cut down the tree. Well, all of that came crashing down in about a 30 day period. All of that came to reality. And that is something that, that was really important to me. So I asked myself these nine questions. And it starts off with the first one is just, what are you focused on? We call it your one word focus. I do it for the year. Actually, if you're in the video, you can see above me, this was last year's impact was my word last year. This word stewardship. 
but I find one word every single week. And that's the word I focus on. After that, I jump into gratitude. Then I go into what my, I call it our pulse check, which is a quick, how did I do last week? Almost like a self-inventory in our four vital signs of fulfillment, which is internal, relational, professional, and physical. Those are the four parts I find with every human being I've worked with that if you have mindfulness or intentionality in those four categories of your life, you will live an extremely fulfilled life with very little regrets. Forget time management, forget productivity. If you can just follow, find a way to give just a little bit of intention or mindfulness to your internal space, your mind, your brain, just a little bit into your relationship, you know, go get a flower for your wife. Get a card, write her a little note once a week. If you were to take that in your physical life, just decide to not eat sugar for the day. Small little steps leading to a massive success. And if you do that on a weekly basis, you can multiply that by 52 every single year and you start understanding why you get results. And speaking of relationships, yep. you know, obviously a big part of it for you is being real since your podcast is called Real Relationships with your wife. I thought it was so hilarious on your first episode way back when you did that and you guys are trying to get the sound together and trying to make sure there was no echo, no delay and all this stuff. And, and then you said, well, I guess we have to edit this out. Yeah, that's what people do. And then... You didn't edit it out. Right. You, you just left yeah. it. And it was so funny. It was so real. Yeah, that is 100% the brains of my wife, right? And if you listen to the relationship, you'll hear she's the brains, I'm the bronze. And that's how <laughs> our relationship works, right? I put my head against the wall a thousand times while she opens the door and walks right around it. So mm. we work well together when we're on the same team. But we're not always on the same team. We're not always on the same page. And we found that a lot of people see us speaking or hear what we do with LP and they go, oh, well, but you guys just have it together. And we're looking at each other going, we're just as crazy as the next, if not more. And my wife has always wanted to do a podcast. And she came to me and said, let's do a podcast. And whenever she gives me an idea, I equate that to money, right? Okay, so we're going to do a podcast. How do we turn that into a monetary thing? And uh, she said she didn't want to do that. And I said, okay, fine. Then it's your thing to do. And the stipulations behind this podcast relationship, and if you've listened to it, you've heard it, is Maria preps something and I'm not allowed to prepare for it. So we sometimes solve our current problem. We sometimes solve an old problem. We bring up things. We discuss things, silly things. And we talk about the three L's that we want you to experience through the podcast, which is we want you to learn, you know, learn something new. We want you to laugh. And we want you to look, meaning look at yourself and your relationship and go, okay, how can I actually implement what I've learned there into my life. And that's something that, again, goes perfectly in line with this mindfulness mode that you guys preach on this podcast is it's all about taking what you're hearing. Like if you're listening to this podcast and you have no intention on implementing anything that's being taught, you're literally wasting your time. It's all about, I always tell people, learn with implementation in mind and you'll start seeing the benefits of the stuff you're hearing. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. And there is so much to learn from your show. And, you know, the last one I was listening to how you guys were, you guys were traveling to the airport, the car, <laughs> you know, it was just so funny because it was very natural, but you were talking about how, you know, our perception of each other changes, huh. you know, we, we date, we, you know, we get to know each other, we think, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then it all changes. And we were like, are you really the same person I, I dated, you know? Yeah. And that really happens. Again, it comes back to taking this mindfulness and not doing it in a 20-minute morning prayer, huddle, meditation. But how do you take that and drive that for the next 24 hours? And that's what we do with our LP system. 
And that's why it works so well. The way the LP came to was my wife came to me, Maria, and she's like, look, I knew marrying you was going to be hard. I didn't realize it was going to be this hard. Like, you're insane. So how do we balance all of this stuff? And I was like, ah, I got these nine questions. I asked myself and here's how it works. She made it look pretty. All of a sudden, one thing led to another. And now we're consulting companies and eventually a Fortune 500 company asked us if we could do it for them. So it all started with literally this, you know, you see it here on the video, but it's just a pen and paper planner, right? They're literally, they're, they're 34 bucks and we sell them online and that's how we got started. And that system kind of evolved out of the pen and paper and into a full organizational program for companies of all sizes to learn about because work-life balance is something that all companies are desiring. And we come in, we are working with a friend of mine who actually works at Home Depot. And he brought up this concept to me that I think is brilliant. And he said, it's not about work-life balance and balance is comparing two things. It's about work-life integration is how do you take who you are as a person at home and be the same person you are in work? And we call, we call it bridging the gap between professional and personal. But it all starts with what you guys teach here is this mindfulness, is, is being intentional. When I'm mindful of other people, I'm a much nicer person. When I'm thinking about my wife and thinking about my role as a husband, I'm a much better husband. When I'm thinking about my role as a father, I'm a much better father. Now, when I'm trying to be a father and answer an email and cook dinner and do this and do that, which is how most of us live our entire life, I'm not very good at any of the things I'm trying to do. And that's why with mindfulness comes this concept of multitasking. And unfortunately, listeners, I'm sorry if this is going to burst your bubbles. It's just not possible. I call it partial tasking at best. You cannot multitask. You can partial task, but recognize you're sacrificing one thing to do the other. Yeah, you definitely are. Tell me this. Have you ever had somebody that that came to you or you were working with them in Life Pulse? And after a while, you just threw up your hands and you're just like, oh, this is just not working. I can't make this happen. What kind of a person would it be that you would be basically giving up on? Somebody who flat out won't do what's needed. Not it's not an ability thing, it's a choice thing. It's an act. Are they willing to take the actions? And I fire clients all the time. It's not fun to do, but it's not worth their money. I mean, look, they pay me a lot of money to do this stuff, right? Some people pay me thousands of thousands of dollars every single month to walk them through these. Pro- we have one program where it's a three-month program that we guarantee that we will achieve any goals. Otherwise, we give them their money back. Now, hmm. obviously, we charge a lot to make sure that happens, but we give a lot. And there's people who will get started with that. And I'll say, you know what? The plan works, but you're not. are you going to do the plan, yes or no? Now, that's a, such a small minority of the people in this world that will actually just, just fight it. But some people will. So what we do is we don't give up on them. We just take a step back. It's like people always ask, how do you... You, know, you don't write people off. I never write people off. I'll back away from people. and then. But I always want them to know I'm there because when things get too low or into an issue, I want them to come back to me. I don't want to say, hey, you're lost. See, you're a loser. I'm done with you. My program works. You're an issue. Well, they already know they're an issue. They might not admit it, but they know it. When they wake up in the morning, they know they're an issue. And I don't want to give up on them because they're running into issues. So we've never really had people who are just flat out, like they don't have the ability to do it. We've had people who have made the choice. And I've said, look, you know what? Come back when you're ready. Like when you want to make this happen, I'm here whenever you want. You call, we'll restart the contract, we'll restart the agreement and let's start working then. But until then, just call me, keep me posted, see what we can do to help from a kind of a mutually friend perspective. I want to ask you as a father, I know that you and Maria have children. What have you learned through your children 
about mindfulness. So this is going to sound pretty strange. Empathy and sympathy are things that I think get mixed up a lot. I have sympathy for people. I don't have empathy for people. That's just my personality. And what I mean by that is sympathy is the ability to feel bad for people. I can feel bad for people. Empathy is something I learned when I married Maria, who's full of emotions. I mean, she is, you know, we're, you know, 98% water. She's 98% emotions. Like that's what Maria is. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and if you listen to our podcast, you'll get it. And that's what I love. Yeah, about definitely. Her. And that's what yeah. I'm, I'm learning through this whole thing. And, and recently my, my daughter um, has a very rare muscular genetic issue. Two years old, not walking, not crawling. We don't necessarily know what's going on with it. And this past week, we were in the ICU because she got a common cold and because she has weaker muscles, she can't clear it. Well, that's pretty scary. So we're sitting there and my wife and I, Maria and I are sitting there kind of having these issues where Maria wants to give her stuffed animals and Maria wants to do this and Maria wants to give her all these things to comfort her. And I'm sitting here going, I don't want to comfort her. I want to cure her. And mm -hmm. it's just, we both want the exact same thing. We want to help our daughter to feel good and be healthy. But what I realized was because of the mindfulness, I don't sit there and actually process my emotions. That's just something I've never done. I always, emotions come in, they get pushed very deep down, and then I act, I survive. I find the solution and therefore I'm good to go. Well, because I'm not mindful of my emotions, how could I possibly be mindful of someone else's emotions, including my wife's? So while we're going through this very scary moment in our child's life, and we've been through many of them with Natalie, I, because I don't process my emotions, I'm not mindful or intentional with my emotions, I don't think of her emotions. But the second I start sitting there going, wow, you know what? This is really scary. This is really hard. Even though I'm not sitting here breaking down in the corner crying, there's still emotions that are being felt and she's feeling them also. And not only do I need to take care of my daughter, but I need to take a better, better care of my wife in the sense of being there with her. So the one thing my kids have taught me outside of the empathy is just the fact of being there with them. My wife and I always joke about you know, being a, stay, you know, a working mom or a working dad. And I recently sent her a text. She was away. I had Natalie. She had Zach. So we're both kind of half working, half parenting. And I realized you can't enjoy doing either of them if you try to do them both at the same time. You, know, you have to compartmentalize the tasks of your day where you're basically taking a hat on, taking a hat off, putting the hat on the rack versus trying to wear two hats. So when I would work when Natalie was sleeping or work when Natalie was at school, and then I could play with Natalie, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun to do it. So it's all about intentional actions, being present in the moment, and then knowing that you can get other stuff done later. And how does that happen? That's by creating the plan ahead of time. That's the whole premise of Life Pulse is being intentional and bringing intentionality back to life is we spend Sundays, as you heard in one of our podcasts, putting our plan together, working through it. And then that way, when it's time to execute, we don't have to think. And that comes back to that mindfulness of one focus. Again, usually you're doing that in the sense of a meditation, but we do it in the sense of everything we do. I will do every task until completion. And it's very hard to pull me off task, not because I was blessed with this amazing focus, it was because I learned how to focus. And it all started through the mindfulness stuff. Right. And what does your morning routine look like, Matt? Yeah. So my morning routine is simple. I'm an early bird, right? So you got the 4 or 5 a.m., depending on what time we get to bed at night. But I'll be up at five at the latest. Four is kind of, if I'm really in the mode of getting stuff done, four comes right. up. And it's wake up, get a big glass of water, right? Because I think that's a big thing that people don't realize is how important water is for you. Get my 
body physically working with the water, getting things going. And then I jumped into the Bible. Uh, and the Bible is my mindfulness. Prayer is my meditation. And I always tell people that it's, look, it doesn't matter what it is. Stop putting the way it should be in a box of how it should affect you. And the way I become mindful, meaning become centered, I don't care what it is, right? Maybe it's reading the cartoons in the newspaper. Like maybe that's what it is for you. Find what's yours. Don't just try everyone else's. It's like my wife. My wife loves working out. I hate working out, right? You'll also hear that battle on the on the podcast <laughs> yeah. very much. You know, if she yeah. could work out twice a day, seven days a week, she would. And if I could avoid never working out ever again, I would. So, um, but but the reason why I, I bring that up is she always says to me, she's like, you got to find something you like to do when you're working out. And it makes a lot of sense. Now, fortunately or unfortunately, I haven't found that yet because nothing, mm. I've done everything from marathons to Ironman to CrossFit to boxing. Like I've tried everything. I just don't like it. I don't like working out. I'm going to find it because I think she's right on this. But when it comes to mindfulness is, you know, read different books and be on, listen to podcasts like this. But I would challenge your listeners to find what works for them. Like if that technique doesn't work, don't think mindfulness doesn't work. Does that make sense? And, and, no, it does make sense. And I would challenge any listener to this, that if you're like, ah, I've tried meditating and it doesn't work. All right, try something else. I tried reading the Bible. That doesn't work. Try something else. I tried this app. I tried that app. I've tried all these different types of meditation. I've hung upside down. I've done floating, but all these different things that help you clear your mind. And what you'll find is, is you have to, you have to choose to focus and you have to choose to be mindfulness. The actions that we're teaching and the techniques that I've always tried, if I focus on the techniques, I can never become mindful, right? Like I need to let the techniques create this byproduct of being mindful. You're writing a book, Motivate the Unmotivated. And I think that's awesome. How much mindfulness did it take to write that book? Are you writing it yourself or is yep. Maria helping you with it? Is she in on this? So How's I'm this writing working? it myself. Maria is helping me with it because I have the spelling of a third grader. So okay. <laughs> basically what happened is I, I come up with ideas and Maria refines them into products that other humans can function with. Okay. It's the LP, right? Here's the idea. And she's like, eh, that's not going to work. Let's make it look nice. So Maria is helping me on that front. She's an amazing, amazing writer, uh, amazing editor. And again, she's a refiner. She takes things that are sloppy, makes them nice. Hence why our marriage works well, right? She found me sloppy and now she's making me nice um, for the rest of my life. So that's something that I think is super important but it's me writing it. And when it comes to mindfulness, here's a technique that I use to achieve any goal, no matter what it is. I always tell people, any of our coaching clients, any of our, anyone who's coming through any of our programs, there's three types of goals. There's result-based goals, there's action-based goals, and there's time-based goals. Well, result-based goals are based on the result. That's the one we normally chase after. The problem is, is there's so many variables in that one that we don't know what it is that actually has to happen. Um, there's action-based goals, and that's strictly by choice. That's where the mindfulness really comes in. But we don't always know what actions we need to take. And then there's a third one that's called time-based goals. And this is not one I've heard elsewhere yet. And this is in the book. And time-based goals I learned when I was training for the Ironman. Like I told you, I hate working out. And you want to talk about mindfulness? When you run an Ironman, a, a true Ironman, meaning the rules and regulations of a professional triathlon, you're not allowed to listen to anything because it's considered a performance enhancer. So you mm -hmm. need to run the entire race with no headphones. Well, if you're running the entire race with no headphones, no music, what do you think you have to do when you train? So that's do the same thing, 20, yeah. 40 hours a week of training that you're not listening to. So you want to talk about clearing your head. 
I mean, that was one of the best exercises ever. Go run an Ironman and you will find mindfulness. Now, there's easier ways to do it. But when I was training for it, my coach, because obviously, like I said, with my business partners in the first business, I am a big believer on having a coach. And if you do not have a coach, I don't think you'll ever get yourself to the next level. And the reason why, like I talk about in this book, humans do the least amount of work to get the maximum result. That's how our bodies are made. Literally, we are supposed to put the minimum effort to get maximum results. That way, we have energy to do what else we need to do. My coach said, look, go ride your bike for an hour, two hours, six hours, eight hours. And I used to get so frustrated. And I'd say, why can't you just give me a distance, right? I'm a goal getter. Give me a target and I'm going to hit it. And he said, that's exactly why I can't give you a distance. Because there's too many variables out there. For example, if your stomach's not feeling well, if you pop a tire, if there's a bunch of traffic, if there's a headwind, if there's a tailwind, right? It changes the whole thing. What he wanted me to do was have saddle time. He wanted my butt in a seat. And what he meant by that was just get out there and ride. So if you're going eight hours and you only go 20 miles, put your bike up, you're done. If you're going eight hours and you go 120 miles, perfect, you're done. But get the time in. So wisdom to me is taking the right information, using it in the correct way at the correct time, right? That's what wisdom is to me. So I always try to take everything I learn and how do I create that into something I can use on my day-to-day basis? So I use time-based goals. For big, audacious goals, goals that are just so big, I can't even understand it, I'll set 90-minute time chunks to start knocking them out. And what I found is the hardest thing to do is get started on a goal. So for this book, right? there's a reason I answered this. This is a long answer. But for this book, I've always wanted to write a book. I sat down and started setting up three 90-minute time trunks every single week. Because at the same time, me writing this book, two kids, multiple businesses, nonprofits were a part of, were on the boards of things in our area, very active in our community. I couldn't dedicate 40 hours a week to writing this book. It just wouldn't happen. So I did 90-minute time trunks. It probably took me about three months of doing that. You're talking you know, three to four hours, maybe let's say five hours a week. So in probably less than 60 to 70 hours, I was able to write a 65,000 page book. Why? Because I took that set focus time, dedicated the time. I gave myself 90 minutes to go, shut off all of the distractions, was focused on one thing. And amazingly enough, the book came out and that's how it was written. So for anyone who's out there trying to do any huge thing and you just can't even get started, don't worry about what actions to take. Just, just dedicate time to it. Give yourself 90 minutes to think about what's the next step. Give yourself 90 minutes to just research what needs to happen. And you will start seeing progress. And the one thing humans are able to do better than any other animal on this planet is the ability to adapt. And you've really done that. So have you got another book in the works? So what we're finding is with all the keynotes that we do, books tend to come from them. Okay. All the workshops that we do, you know, we do a full program. Uh, called Transform Your Team, which is a full year-long engagement, which ties in both our Unbreakable Foundation program and our Transform Your Team, uh, which is basically building the foundation, understanding your your uh, how to achieve goals, not how to set goals, your internal power, and uh, the glue, which ties it all together as to why you're doing what you're doing. And then in between those sessions, we do our motivation management, where we help motivate all of the individuals in the organization doing one-on-one coaching. So literally every person that comes through gets one-on-one coaching with us. So the reason I say that is there's a lot of stories that come out of that. I bet. I found when it comes to books, the best way to do it, if anyone's ever wants to write a book, is just start with topics. Don't try to write the book. Just write the topic and then write what you think about that topic. And then find an example that proves that topic to be accurate. 
and you'll start seeing chapters start to develop. So every day I'm writing a book. I'm just not physically putting words to paper. Does that oh, make that's sense? cool. Yeah, that does make sense. Every day you're writing a book. Wow. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's great that you're helping so many people. So I want to ask you what you were like as a kid. Were you always wanting to help other people then? Were you that same kind of go-getter yeah. when you were like seven, eight years old? So if you were to ask my mom if she's surprised about my success, depending on who you are and what mood she's in, what she would say is she's more surprised I'm not in jail. Oh, so really? I was not the good kid by any means. I always had this unrealistic faith in myself and in things happening. For example, it's like, hey, we're going to start a, we're going to rake leaves for the summer. And I would always outperform what should have been done. And people ask what my strength is. And I would say it's my ignorance. I was on a client call this morning with a company who does some interesting marketing stuff. And they said, what's your strength? I said, my strength's my ignorance. I don't know what should or shouldn't be done. And I've never had that. I've always pushed the limits. I'm the kid who's been, you know, the cops would show up and I'd go talk to them. Well, then I get in trouble, right? That, that was always me. I didn't recognize, you know, speeding tickets were just part of driving, right? I just figured that's, they just, to slow you down. That's the point of them. So <laughs> we learned more about the judicial system than we ever needed to know through my limit pushing. Nothing too crazy. Nothing no, one's, no one else has ever done. I'm just always really good at getting caught. The lesson yeah. I learned very quickly was don't do things that are against the law. And I found when I stopped doing that, I stopped getting in trouble. So I always joke about it. And I was always, I was never a good student, but it's because I didn't recognize how much that was a choice. What I'm trying, I guess, say here is when I made a choice to do something, it happened. That's always been me. I just rarely made that choice because I assumed it was out of my control. So I guess uh, mindfulness is kind of, now that I'm thinking about it, has always been part of my structure in that when I finally, and I think most people are like this, when we make a decision, most people will continue to go and deal with a lot of ups and downs to get there. But when we're not fully bought into that decision, it's hard to do it, right? Like I remember I was 16 trying to get my Eagle Scout, you know, wasting all my time. And all of a sudden I get told, hey, you have two years left to get your Eagle Scout. So what did I do? Got my Eagle Scout, right? It's, it's like I needed that little edge, a little push. School president, captain of the football team. It wasn't because I wanted to be the best or anything like that. It's just because I just, I made a decision and I did whatever I thought it took to get that. Does that make sense? Like it, it's yeah, not, that does make sense. I'm not patting myself on the back. Like I, would, I outgained the system. And in fact, I'm not a very smart person when it comes to book smarts in any way, shape or form. But I bet you I'll outwork almost anybody because mm. I can sit there and make myself focus. One of the chapters in our book, Motivate the Unmotivated, is how to enjoy anything. And I truly feel enjoyment's a choice. And I'm not the most joyful person. And I always have to tell myself, that's by choice. Why would you choose that though, right? If I'm sitting at a ballet and I'm bored, there's two ways to handle it. Sit back and relax and do nothing or sit up and actually pay attention. My wife and I are, are very involved and she used to be the executive director of a program called Eagle University. It's a youth leadership program where we bring a couple hundred students into a college campus every single summer for a full week. They live on campus. And we, the faculty, walk them through almost everything we teach at LP, plus some other stuff, ages 15 to 24. It's a nonprofit. And one thing I always tell the students is, look, if you're bored, I just want you to get to the edge of your seat, sit up, and I want you just to write down every single thing I say. Just write everything out. Just keep acting like you do it. And the reason I did that was that's how I got through college. My professors used to think I was the most engaged kid ever, but really I was trying not to fall asleep from the night before. 
Like I was, <laughs> I was just writing. Oh, you take so many notes. I was like, I'm just trying to stay awake because you're so incredibly boring. So it just, it's about being intentional, about being focused, about being there. And, and that's a choice. And I tell them just, I even tell my salespeople, oh, that's a slow show. We're not making sales. Well, guess what? You're going to be here anyway. So instead of sitting back and being lazy, let's do something about it. One of the reasons why we have such a strong business and we get such heavy results in life goals, the average person who works an eight-hour shift only works about two hours and 58 minutes. That's less than 36% of your full time. Do you know the number one thing they're doing during that downtime when they're not working is pretending to work? <laughs> yes, that like, sounds it's familiar. It's insane to me. And you're sitting here wondering why people aren't able to succeed. Well, if you're only working three out of eight hours, why show up the other five? Right. Let's shut this thing down. But if I was able to get you to work the full eight hours, extra five hours every single week, that's 25 hours at the end of the week. Do you think you get more of your job done? I think so. Yeah, I, I think definitely you would. So it's all about being intentional about the things you do, the steps you take and the actions you, you actually do. And Matt, I want to just let Mindful Tribe know that you are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under Life Pulse Inc. Yes. So you'll find you'll find Matt there. And on LinkedIn, you'll find Matt under his own name, Matt Granados. So check him out on LinkedIn as well. Matt, do you have a story about bullying where, you know, maybe mindfulness would have made a difference? Maybe you were a bully. Maybe you were bullied. Right. So I would say I was never bullied. Right. And I think anyone who is never bullied, most likely bullied, just not, not by intention, but just by, by accident, not realizing it. Obviously, nowadays, bullying is becoming so much more prevalent in the media. So every little thing is bullying. And I think sometimes that gets blown out of proportion. Yeah, for you sure. Know, being on the football team, being you know one of the bigger kids, there's definitely times looking back that I feel like I bullied people that I wish I wouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say, again, anything that's outlandish, that's like, oh my gosh, I must have ruined their life. But you don't know, right? Like I, I, don't, I don't know because I wasn't intentional. I wasn't thinking about the actions I was taking in that moment. Right. You know, some, one of my best friends, he was actually in my wedding. He said, I used to bully him in high school. Well, I thought we were joking, right? Now, oh, yeah. granted, we're good friends now, so it's not as big of a deal. Um, and we still joke about it. But at the time, maybe it wasn't joking, right? He didn't like me. So I think where it comes with being bullied or bullying, it's just recognizing it. It, it. My dad used to have a joke that, you know, not a joke, but a saying, he said, look, if you tell a joke and two people aren't laughing, it wasn't funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So we have this concept of, we think it's funny so we can say it, but if they're not laughing, it's not funny. Right. Like, like yeah, it takes exactly. two to actually make a joke funny. And that's always stuck with me as I grew up and recognize, well, wait a minute, maybe I shouldn't be talking that way to that person, even though, yeah, this person laughed, but they're not laughing. So it must not have been funny to them how that interaction happened. So I think it goes on both sides. How do you get out of bullying? I think if you are in a, if you're very mindful and, and you sit back and relax and, and think of some of the stuff that people have done, maybe in your past that you're still holding on to and realize that it's you holding on to it. Like, yeah, it was their actions. And yeah, maybe they were jerks for doing what they did. But if it's 20 years ago and you're still bothered by it, whose fault is that? And I think it's mine, right? I think of stuff that people did to me and I'm going, ah, oh, well, I'm bo- my, fia- my ex-fiance left me. Whose fault is that? Well, she did some stuff that caused it to happen, but I did a lot of stuff that I was unaware of that caused her to want to leave me, right? We had a pretty good thing going in my opinion, but obviously we didn't. When, and bullying comes down to not even the, the traditional sense of you know picking on a kid. And I think people bully each other in their relationships. You'll hear us talk about it in our podcast relationship where 
there's times where I feel like Maria's bullying me or picking on me. And there's times where she feels like I'm bullying or picking on her. We call it bulldozing where it's like, like you're just running right over that person. And it comes back to second of taking a step back, thinking about your actions and thinking about how that's impacting them. And that's why, like I said, mindfulness is not all about your 20 minute quiet time, right? That's cool. And that's fun. But mindfulness is about taking that every 24 hours. And then maybe you need to reset every 24 hours by doing your quiet time. One thing I found is I do it in the morning. I'm a much better person when I do it in the morning. I take 10 minutes in the afternoon. And here's the kicker for everyone who comes home is I take 10 minutes, minimum 10 minutes before I get back to my family Mm. because they don't deserve the wrath that I went through coming home to them. And sometimes they do. Sometimes I don't do that. Sometimes I rush home. Sometimes I don't have time to do it. And the whole concept of not having time to do this stuff is you're wasting more time dealing with the lack of the benefits or the headaches or the frustrations or not getting stuff done than you are about taking 20 minutes and going into meditation or doing whatever it is that gets you your mind where it needs to be. People tell me all the time, they don't have time to plan. And I'm going, you're crazy. You're spending an hour a day figuring out what you're going to be doing and frustrated and angry because you're not doing it. You got to go get a cup of coffee and you're not working. You're literally 36% of the time you're working. If you planned, you could get your full 15 hour work, work week, which is what you're doing, done in two days. And that's something we tell our clients. Look, your employees are only working 15 hours a week. Why are they here five days a week? Oh, there's no way. They're definitely working more. No, they're not. Check them. All of a sudden, when we come in and we start doing this, their employees start showing up like that first day of interview. Now, all of a sudden, they're working all the time. And now the clients come to us and go, we're literally, we want to scale this business, but we keep thinking our labor is our issue. Your labor is not maximizing this potential until they can show you their physical plan written out. And that's what we do. That's why our pen and paper planner in a digital world is working so, so well. Yeah, well, Life Pulse is obviously tremendously successful. Matt, as we move forward, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. Yes. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life? Who is one person who's influenced mindfulness in my life? My first answer is Jesus, right? From a, from a man perspective. And I, I want the listeners, I don't care what your religion is. I don't care whether you believe Jesus is the son of God or not. Please look past that. But look at the stories about him as a historical figure, about how he lived his life. So Jesus would be one part. We have a list of of 100, we call motivational all-stars in the book. And all of them, I would say, are. And it all comes down to the ability to have faith behind your action, patience to do the right thing, and understanding how it impacts others. So I would say Jesus would be the first one. I know you said 30 seconds. Sorry, I like to talk a lot. My wife would be the other one. The, the amount of stuff I learned from her and the amount of stuff I don't let myself learn from her because my ego gets in the way oh, yeah. is wild. I can learn a lot from her. I joke about her being 98% emotions, right? Like we are all water. If I were to take a piece of that and just recognize some of those emotions, I'd be a better husband. I'd be a better father. I'd be a better business owner. My wife, when she has a hunch on things, I've never been wrong by following a hunch of hers. I've never regretted it ever. I just don't always wow. listen to it. how has mindfulness affected your emotions matt it reminds me they're there you know i'm very good and and my personality type whatever personality type you want to say you are i'm very good at disregarding my emotions right and there's benefits to that there's no question about it but there's also a lack of joy in your life 
without the negative emotions, you can't have the positive emotions and vice versa. So true. So mindfulness has forced me to think about my emotions and think, why do I feel this way? And how do I feel? And actually experience the emotion versus subdue it. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Oxygen is, you know, that and water we need. So I feel when you're taking deep breaths, you know, there's, there's a reason why when you're meditating, they have you breathe through your nose. The oxygen is actually processed differently when you take it through your nose versus through your mouth. So being willing to take a deep breath, I always talk about it when I'm with Maria. And we talk about this, I think, in relationship of just waiting 20 seconds to talk. And when you take a breath, you can't talk. And it allows you to think. And when you think, you usually say something smart. Yeah, good advice. Yeah, for sure. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would it be? A book related to mindfulness... I would say it would be Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. Okay. So Napoleon Hill wrote Think and Grow Rich in 1937. Yes. In 19th, and that's well known by everybody. In 1938, he wrote another transcription that wasn't published because his wife asked him not to publish it. Now, this could be a complete marketing ploy by the foundation, but hey, it's great if it is. I'll give him all the credit in the world because it got me to read it. But basically, he was in Philadelphia and he got visited by the devil. This has not anything to do with whether you have faith or not. Again, I would still suggest reading it, but it's a conversation that he had about why the devil picks on people the way he does. And he talks about drifting. And it made a lot of sense to me. He said, people drift through life. And those are the people that the devil, and the devil basically says, all I am is everything negative. Negative thoughts, negative images. That's him, right? He's not a being. He doesn't have a pitchfork. He doesn't have a body. It's, it's more of a kind of a, just a negative part of everything. And uh, it just opened my eyes to the fact that people do drift through life, number one. And number two, it's very dangerous to do. And the way you get around it is be intentional by your actions. The way you're intentional about, uh, intentional about your actions is be having that mindfulness of everything you do. Can you share an app which helps with mindfulness? I would, but I use my LP. You know, um, right. That's your app. That's my app. And the reason why is, you know, technology, I love technology. Do not get me wrong. But what technology does, and it's always done, is it allows us to be more efficient, but not more effective. What I mean by that, if you've ever done an Excel spreadsheet and you put the wrong information in to get a formula, you get that nice error sign or void sign or reference sign. Yeah. And you're sitting there going yeah. nuts. Bad in equals bad out. Same exact yeah. thing with most of the apps. So, you can have a breathing app or something like that. And if you don't use it the way you need to use it, you're going to get bad results. So I found that when I use my LP, this little book, it just clears my head because I don't have any other distractions. Most people, and I would challenge your listeners, look where your mindful app is on your phone. I bet you it's close to your social media app or something else that's a distraction on your phone. Number one. Number two, I would also suggest people, and I do this with clients. I say, let me see your phone. And I can run an app and I can show you where you're spending your time. If you're mm. spending over 20% of your time in your mindful app, you're doing a good job, but you're not. You're spending a fraction of your time there and you're spending the majority of your time elsewhere. So I stay away from the phone when it comes to mindfulness. Now, sometimes when I'm, if I'm trying to just, if I need a quick 20 minute pick me up, I'll pop on some things like Breathe is an app that I use that helps kind of put some music in the background and tones that helps my brain kind of restructure and reset. But as far as an app, for mindfulness, I don't actually have one, but I use my pen and paper. And what I would suggest for those who want to try a pen and paper, you can go buy one of our books, but also what you can do is just dump your brain out on paper. Just start journaling. You do that, you'll start getting into this mindful 
kind of feeling is what I would call it, like you've never experienced before. Matt, it has been really great talking to you. And I know that your website is lifepulseinc.com. Is there any other way we can connect with you? I know we've talked about social media too. So obviously reach out. I do all all of our social media. I mean, we have teams who do it, but I'm always answering. I'd love to answer any questions you possibly have. Um, I'd love to offer something to your listeners if that's okay. That would be great. Yeah, it is. Obviously, we we talked about a lot of stuff. uh, And I realized as I'm going through it, oh my gosh, talk about the book, the planner, the teaching, the courses, the coaching, the this, the speaking. I'm going to put together a special offer for your listeners. Um, Awesome. And what we'll do is in your show notes, if we could just put the the code in there, we'll probably do mindfulness mode will be the code. I'm very uncreative with this. But if you go to our website and I'll have to put this together, lifepulseinc.com backslash pod gift, P-O-D-G-I-F-T. Make sure you put in the mindfulness mode code and we're going to basically bundle everything we do and give it away to your people. Awesome. So that way they can use this because again, mindfulness is kind of the first step. And then how do you take that through the next 24 hours? That's where we come in. Um, and once you start doing it, it becomes this kind of double-edged sword that keeps getting sharpened on each side by the other side. So we'll do that. We'll put some, you know, we'll put some consultations in there. They can reach out to myself or someone on our team. We'll give, we'll give some of the books away. We'll give the LPs away. We'll give some of our coaching, some of our programs away um, that they can access. Uh, we'll basically put two options up there. One for people who really want to drive and you know, really need to get to that next level. The other ones you kind of want to get their feet wet and get started. Uh, that way we don't scare too many people away. <laughs> but we appreciate, Bruce, we appreciate what you're doing with this. And, and I always like to tell people is doing podcasts is not easy, especially one of yours that has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of episodes. So I would ask all of your listeners to share this. I mean, I mean, that's what builds up the podcast. So obviously, you're a very humble human being based on what you've done and knowing your background. So let me pitch for you that I'd love to hear, see your listeners. If you haven't shared one of Bruce's podcasts. You don't have to share this one, but pick the one that you like best. Hopefully it's this one, but pick the one you like best and just share it. Send it to a couple friends because what they put in their head is what they're going to get out in their life. And I, I'm amazed when I got into this industry of coaching and consulting, I eat this stuff up, but not many people do and they don't know how to find it. So be that beacon of light for whoever it is you care about and share this with two, three, five people. Just say, hey, check this out. Listen to it. I'd love to talk to you about it. Um, it will give you something more to talk about over beers or coffee than you know just what's happening on ESPN. It makes life a little more interesting. Matt, that's awesome. It's been great talking with you, great spending the time with you, and I really appreciate it. Get that book called Motivate the Unmotivated and check out the podcast, Relationship, and check out the website, lifepulseinc.com. And then for that free gift, go to slash pod gift. And then you'll see a place where you can type in mindfulness mode. So thanks for all of this, Matt. It's been great getting to know you. Perfect. Thank you, Bruce. Appreciate it. Have a good day. All the best. Bye now. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest's name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. 
Remember what I mentioned at the top of the show about whether you work in corporate, have teams of employees, and you want to reduce stress with those employees and help them to be more productive? You can download the free resource, 10 Simple and Effective Ways to Increase Mindfulness in the Workplace Now. And once your employees are happier, you know, productivity will increase. Download the free resource at mindfulnessmode.com forward slash workplace p so remember subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air till next time mindful tribe use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode 